Well, welcome to another episode of um, our podcast session. Uh, today's topic is building a legacy, um, black excellence in construction um, to tribute to uh, Black History Month. And uh, my name is Yami Adeyamo. I'm the community engagement manager here at Juno Construction. I've been with uh, Juno for about 10 years now, um, and uh, it's been great. Uh, I oversee supplier diversity, and uh, part of what I do is just uh, bringing awareness to minority and disadvantaged businesses and uh, providing tools and resources to, to build their businesses up. Um, alongside of me is uh, Sierra Danforth. She's a project engineer here at Juno Construction, so she'll be co-hosting. And then we have uh, two lovely guests here uh, today. Uh, we have Tannen Baker, and then we have um, Taggett Williams, uh, both black-owned business owners, right? And they'll introduce themselves more on um, their company and how they've gotten involved in the construction industry. But um, I believe that experiences paint uh, a good perspective while people have discussions. Uh, so I'll start off with just giving a little bit of background of how I got into the industry and then uh, Sierra, you could go ahead and then we'll uh, let you all hear from our, our two guests. So um, how I got into the industry, well, um, you know, no one really in my family uh, was into construction. I think I had one aunt. Uh, she was an architect, but all the way in Nigeria. Um, and so um, I always knew that I wanted to be in the construction engineering space. Um, I think, you know, when I was in first grade, I drew out a picture of me wearing a hard hat that said architect, you know. <laughs> and so um, I, I knew that definitely I wanted to do something that had like some kind of building concept. So I started out as a civil engineer major um, and then uh, later on switched to construction management and did an intern with Juno Construction my last year in college. And then uh, they brought me full time. So um, and uh, definitely shout out to my uncle because he's the one that kind of exposed me into construction. He's an architect, but he told me about construction management. I did research and that's why I uh, changed my major. So it's really I really owe owe him pretty much everything because he's the one that kind of gave me the insight with construction management. So that's how I got involved. How about you, Sierra? Um, similar to you, Yami, I was telling um, Channing and Taggett before we started rolling kind of my journey. Um, but I kind of got interested in, I was more so growing up interested in like um, architecture and I used to watch HGTV all the time with my dad. So I just love that aspect of things like looking at a floor plan and then coming to life as like a building, right? Like such, something that's actually real and tangible. Um, so yeah, I wanted to be an architect. Um, and also too, like my grandfather was a huge like inspiration to me for that because he wanted to be an architect. Um, but back in the 40s and 50s, that was kind of unheard of for like a black man to be an architect. And, you know, basically, he was told he couldn't. Um, so he was a brick mason. And I also remember just, too, when he used to take me and my sister home from school. Um, on the way home, like, the houses that he helped build, um, he used to just tell us, like, I laid every brick, you know, on that house. And it's crazy because we're talking, that was, like, 50 years ago at this time. And it's, like, still he remembers that. And that's, like, a story he can share with me and my sister in, like, you know, um, his other grandkids and his kids. I was like, wow, I really want to be a part of something like that that lasts 
you know, even after I'm going and my kids can say, oh, you know, your mom, like my mom did that or my grandkids can say that. So I, you know, that's what got me into that. So I went to school for architecture. Um, it didn't work out. And, you know, it was really a heavy factor that kind of weighed on my heart because I really didn't want to change my major because I felt like I was somehow letting my grandfather down, even though he wasn't here at the time, like physically, like he passed away. I just felt like, gosh, now I can't achieve the dream that he couldn't achieve. Um, but, you know, deep down, I knew I had to do what's right for me. Um, and I fell in love with construction management. And um, I interned throughout school at a smaller GC. And um, straight out of school, I started working at Juno. And I've been here for two years now, almost. And um, I'm a project engineer, and my current project is the National Center for Civil and Human Rights. So I'm super excited to get that started. And especially, like, I feel like that's something for the culture. And I feel like that's something that's going to really um, leave me a big impact in the community. Yeah, that's awesome. And one, one thing I like is, and this is another reason why I chose construction, is, like, there's a tangible reward. You know, you get to see a building that you were a part of for many years, just like your grandfather, right? So I think that's one of the things that stood out to me. Um, but uh, let's start with you, Channing. Um, you know, you tell us a little bit about your company, how, you know, you got started, and then uh, how you got into construction, right? Sure. Uh, first off, I want to take this opportunity to thank you guys for putting this together. Um, I've been in construction. Literally, is literally the only occupation I really kind of know know. Um, you know, I started as a laborer when I was working for my dad's business when I was in high when I was in middle school and high school. And both of them probably illegal opportunities <laughs> when it comes to safety. OSHA was not there. Uh, he had retired by that time, but uh, he had a residential construction company at that point in time. But you know, my dad is 84 now, so he was on his third tier of life when he had me. He had me at 40. Right. So I think it's 40 or 42. Right. So he's he lived life three times. Um, but, yeah, I just want to thank you guys really for having this opportunity because uh, you don't have to do it. It's not like, you know, someone probably pressed you. Uh, and I think that, you know, I feel like you guys are natural at this. The voices, they got voice, they got radio voices for sure. Uh, a little in, a little intimidating. It's definitely a little intimidating. But um, so so, yeah, I'm you know, so the, the name of the company is Evolve contractors and I named it Evolve specifically because me being a fourth generation construction professional in my family there really hadn't been the type of evolution that you would want to have in other you know uh, uh, different communities right as it relates to passing on the buck or passing on knowledge passing on value passing on equity right so I wanted to name the company Evolve just to keep it in front of my mind on a regular basis we are a commercial roofing firm uh, but we also are a commercial general contractor and construction uh, construction manager. So we joint venture with firms, but we also uh, obviously add value by self-performing commercial roofing. And that would be PVC roofs, BIT, Build-Up, Green, PB, um, uh, uh, TPO. Um, and we also uh, uh, fabricate and install. We're a certified metal panel installer. Um, we don't do massive projects but you know we, we do commercial and also we do some above ground waterproofing so that's the, that's the company I'm, I'm originally I'm from was born in Los Angeles dad is from Tuskegee lived in Chicago some uh, but I've been in Atlanta since 98 and I went to and the, anybody that listens to this they hear the names like North Atlanta High School graduate right Morehouse applied physics graduate 
uh, civil engineering, Georgia Tech graduate. So I've been here. I'm, I'm from Atlanta. Right. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so anyway, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. <laughs> well, my story is a little different from uh, from all three of y'all. Y'all actually uh, came into construction. <clears throat> my, my story, I came in, I, I went to school at the University of Alabama and did electrical engineering. Uh, that's my degree. Um, when I left um, uh, University of Alabama, I went into telecom. <clears throat> so I worked for uh, U.S. Quest. I worked for uh, Sprint and the telecom division. Um, then years later, I started my own little small courier service. Uh, I don't know if y'all know a company called uh, Zoe's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Zoe's Kitchen, I had a contract with Zoe's Kitchen for all their uh, deliveries in the state of Georgia. And the point was we was going to branch out and go to Florida and do all the Southeast. But what happened is the, um, the uh, COVID hit. So that killed the business. So when they killed the business, I left and went back home to Alabama. I'm from Huntsville, Alabama, so I went back to Huntsville, Alabama. And I stayed with my mother for about a year. But during that year, I worked with my friend's mother, who has like a small renovation company, but she also have a uh, final cleaning company. So when I came in, I took, I took, uh, I became the project manager over her uh, final cleaning company, and I enjoyed it. I knew I was coming back to Atlanta, so <clears throat> once I started doing that, I st- when I came back to Atlanta, I started my own final cleaning company, which is Con Service. Started with a K. Uh, the reason why I named it Con Service, uh, the C was already taken. It's short for Construction Services. So um, I came back, um, started my own company. Um, and took off from there. The company been up and running for about two and a half years now. My current project is right now with Juno is actually the Emory uh, Graduate Housing Project that I have with them right now. That's awesome. So, so in, in terms of like um, how you all came into the industry, right? So you, Channing, um, I mean, your dad, you know, it seemed like it runs in the family, right? But at the end of the day, you had a choice, right? So what made you want to stick into the construction yeah nah sticking is definitely I'm, listen i ain't that smart bro so I'm, let me start right there I, i'm not the sharpest uh tool in the box so when i was in uh when i was in high, uh, college and high school i just had a challenge with reading and understanding stuff so when i was at morehouse i had to read the books like two three times when i was at georgia tech i had to uh read a lot you know and study a whole lot and you know, you can't, you know, and then it's a little, it was a little harder to make friends at Georgia Tech. Obviously, you know, Morehouse is a very community-oriented school at Georgia Tech. You know, everybody's kind of just like, you know, they're putting their arm up when you see them in the classroom. And they move in the seats. Yeah. So that's what, how it was when I was there. So it was it was tough for me. But there was a point when I was at Morehouse when I was like, man, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore. You know, applied physics is extremely difficult. At least I thought it was. Called my daddy, talked to me about it. And, you know, the conversation she gave me was just about quitting. It's like having have a better reason than just I can't handle it. You know, just anything besides I just can't handle it. Because the thing about it is, is you probably haven't extended yourself enough to know that you can. And the fact of the matter is, is that I did. Right. So, I mean, it took a lot. And I had a full time job when I was in college. I had a full time job when I was at Morehouse and Georgia Tech. And I was selling newspaper subscriptions door to door in Kennesaw for the AJC. So in doing that work and always working and always grinding, I kind of just never had a I never had a chance to just stop because if I stopped, I was stopping everything. So once I got momentum, I kind of just maintained and just went with it. Um, so that that was I guess that was the 
that was the point in which I I can remember where it came up where I was like, okay, maybe I should do something else. And when your dad has such a big, he may, he may, he puts such a major emphasis on family and knowing about your history. I mean, I got pictures of my father, my grandfather, my great, great grandfather, my great, great, great grandfather everywhere in my house, both sides. I mean, he's just, we were big on that. We, we were good pictures, you know? So, that was how I was raised, and that's that's kind of the energy that he raised me in. So it was hard. It would have been hard for me to quit. I'm telling you something. I, I probably wouldn't have been able to come home. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> he would accept me if I came home. Like if I had gotten kicked out of school, right. he wouldn't accepted me if I had got if I had quit school. So I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Uh, something that you 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 said stuck out to me. Like as far as just. Um, not quitting right when things get hard and uh i think that's a mindset that a lot of individuals don't have and, and i mean we're talking about just in general but obviously you know we're talking in, in business right as well too um and just the concept that just because things don't go as smooth you know doesn't mean that it, it's not where you need to go right you know it's not always a smooth path um so just because things get challenging doesn't mean that you know you should just quit right and I, I try to remind myself, again, transparency. Uh, I'm not a runner, but I, I like to challenge myself when it comes to cardio and, and running. And right now I'm, I'm trying to gear up to, to do another 10K. I haven't done a 10K in three years, but I'm trying to build back my endurance. And last uh, yesterday I was running in, I mean, um, it was like a 50-minute tread class. And, you know, I could feel myself like, oh, gosh, I want to give up, want to give up, you know. But I, I just had to remind myself why I was doing it right. And, um, you know, you indicated, you know, why you named your company Evolve, right? And I think when we stick to the reason, stick to the purpose that we're doing something, it's harder for us to quit, right? Um, and obviously you had a lot of reasons other than your dad, you know, wanting to, to get you if you, you thought you were about to quit on him. They changed the locks, brother. Oh, yeah. Locks would have been changed. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Dad's old school. Locks would have been changed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just think that, you know, it's just a good mindset to have in, in everything that you do, um, whether it's creating a business um, or just going to school, getting an education, getting a certification or going to the workforce, whatever status, you know, you're in, you know, just remember that that concept. But um, how about you, Taggett? Like what I know you got a you said electrical degree. OK, um, so what made you go into because I mean, that's part of the AEC, right? So what made you go into that that field? Oh man, electrical engineer. Um, when I was growing up as a child, I should take the little small boxes, boom boxes. I take take the backs off of them, and I loved looking at the circuitry to see how they work. So when I was in the seventh grade, um, we had some small computers, and I told the teacher exactly what I what I liked, like the circuitry, and she mentioned electrical engineer. So I was able to pull that information up, what uh, the description of electrical engineer. And then also with that, I was able to pull up the schools. And uh, I was a big Syracuse friend at the time, so I, I wanted to go to Syracuse. But that's how I found out about electric engineering. So, and from the seventh grade, I knew that I was going to be an electric engineer. See, man, shout out to teachers who, like, really understand, you know, your strengths and, and really understand the student because they're the ones that really, you know, are, you know, pushing these students into the different paths, right? 
Um, and in your experience, you know, you showed your teacher what you're passionate about. She was able to direct you and then right. boom, you know, you went into the electrical, uh, you got your electrical degree. So um, obviously we're going we're gonna to talk about that later on, but you know, it's important, you know, for teachers to be a part of, you know, just a, a pathway for us and just in general speaking for people going into the construction or engineering uh, industry as well too because i know yeah, everybody I gonna, go ahead i was sorry i was gonna hit on that too because i had a teacher in middle school that inspired me um to go into architecture too because i remember it was geometry and um we had this one project we had to do and we had to create like a 3d model of like a, a house but like um you had to use just like supplies or whatever it wasn't on the computer it was like you had to just build it yourself and so from there, I showed her my project and she realized like, oh, you are passionate about architecture. And so we had this school in Augusta um, for engineering and health science. Um, and it was called Air Johnson and it's a magnet school. So you had to take a test to apply and do an interview. She told me, she was like, you need to go there, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that kind of really inspired me to kind of take architecture seriously. And I'm like, I know if I want to get better and get more prepared for school, like college, you know, then I need to go to that school. And that's what I did. And so, yeah, I love teachers. They're amazing. They really shape your life. You're, you're going to say something? No, I was just saying uh, to that point, yeah. and everybody's got a good story and a bad story, because we all remember great teachers, <laughs> you know, and we all remember the others. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, <laughs> great stories. But the ones that affect you the most, was, you know, sometimes the ones that affect you the I had a teacher tell me one time that I was, that I was never going to be anything. And that motivated me, like, so I'm one of those kids. When I was in school, I needed to hear that. When they told me I wasn't going to be nothing, you know, the teacher, she, she was like, she's like, you're going to, you're never going to be successful. You're never, you're going to be a class clown. You're going to be laughing. You're going to be broke and nothing good is going to happen to you in life. It's like, she told me that. And it's like, you know, how do you tell a kid that? But maybe that's what I needed to hear. Because right. <laughs> I got my act together. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So to that point, teachers, we got to love them. Uh, that's awesome. Um. Thanks, Sierra. You got some questions, Zach? Yeah. So um, just kind of coming up and starting your own businesses, like kind of what resources, if you had any, did you guys utilize um, to help you get started? Sure. Uh, I mean, the first one that I, I, I did is uh, the first resource, right, is YouTube. Um, I recognize that there's a lot of free education out there. And, uh, well, excuse me, the first thing that I utilized was my friends, people that I knew that were super successful, people that I knew that already had achieved their accomplishments and dreams. They're my age, but they's uh, eons beyond. I sat them down and asked them some questions, and they gave me some good insight. And then after that, it became education, right? It became um, a lot of YouTube and a lot of books. Uh, I subscribed to this, this uh, book uh, or this app called Headway. Headway like summarizes books for you quickly, so you get the gist of them, like you know, traction or or um, you know, four hour work week stuff like that. And then um, after that would be the actual resources, which would be the biggest resources would be the Russell Center, uh, or the Russell Innovation Center for Entrepreneurs. Um, and I'm sure you guys know the story about H.J. Russell, but um, a quick snippet of his deal is is you know, he came up in the 30s and the 40s. And you talk about opportunities not being available. I mean, they really weren't available in a city like Atlanta back then. Um, he started as a laborer, actually as a, I think it was a drywaller, uh, a finisher. 
and and got in some other trades, but he grew his business to be a hundred million dollar national, you know, business. At one point in time, he's the biggest uh, minority-owned contract in the United States. And a uh, before he, I'm not sure if it was before he passed, right around that time, um, an there was a 501c3 that was created to help black businesses grow. And what does that look like? It looks like getting them access to the right types of education, you know, loans, how to understand how to fill out paperwork for loans, how to understand, you know, I'm talking about business loans, right? I mean, those are the kind of resources that really help my business grow. Because if you don't understand how capital moves and how to gain access to capital, uh, then you probably it's going to be harder than you, you, it, it needs to be, right? Other resources like, um, you know, marketing, right? Re the, relate the relationships and the strategic relationships that the Russell Center has for black businesses is, is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Sort of like going to a college and everybody's there is committed and dedicated to seeing your business grow versus you grow as a person or to get a degree. So I would say the Russell Center uh, is definitely the biggest resource that I would say has helped my business uh, grow. And I've been a member there since 2018. So. Okay. And how did you hear about the Russell Center? Oh, funny story. Uh, I was I used to work for a GC in Atlanta, and they actually bid the project. I ended up becoming the project manager on that project. But actually, I bid it, and then I did the takeoffs, the contracts, the engineering, and then I bought it out when we won it. And then I managed it, and then when I managed it, I get I got to know everybody in the building, and it was it was very small at that point. It was like three people in the building, like two people in the building. Now there's like fifty or something like yeah. that, as far as staff goes. But I got to know everyone in the building, and they got to know me. And it's funny, they thought I was the owner of the business the whole time. When they found out that I worked for somebody, they were like, "Really?" <laughs> it was like, "Okay, uh, that's that's different. Yeah. Uh, why is that the case? You know, because you do everything apparently." Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely say the Russell Center major. Anybody that's listened to this, I would definitely, definitely say that you want to at least get some more information. For sure. And I, I like the fact that, you know, you said ask questions, right? And I don't think a lot of times we do enough of asking questions. Now, you know, someone could say, well, how do you know what questions to ask if you don't know? You know, but I mean, it, it's it's. Is asking right, like what you should know, and then from there you can do the research, right? I mean, you mentioned having uh, asking friends who are successful in their business, right? So that's you know one way to go about it. Obviously, YouTube University. I mean, I'm a, I'm gonna be honest. That's how I I learn a lot of stuff, man. I haven't learned how to tie a tie from YouTube, so mm, I mean, right? There's so many things that you can learn from YouTube because you know everyone has a different learning style, right? And uh, for me, it's visual. So that's why, you know, I like YouTube. Um, but but at the end of the day, like, you really got to do your research. I think a lot of times when people want to start a business, they don't really do research, and then they just think that, you know, hey, hey, buddy's making money, so I, I think I can. And I'm, no, <laughs> it's, it's a whole lot of work, right? It's a whole lot of things that you really got to understand, right? So, um, but how about you, Taggart? With me, it was pretty much kind of like on-the-job training because, uh, with my ex-boss, uh, Deb, her name is Deborah. with her, you know, I was the project manager over the final cleaning. So I used that pretty much and learned much as I can from her. But any question I had, I would always talk to her. Even now, I still give her a call, and ask if any question I have, I talk to her. And also, H.J. Uh, Russell, I got a friend that's, work, that's a PM over there, H.J. Russell. 
and he helped me out a lot too, gave me a lot of information. I sat down with a couple of uh, general contractors, just had a couple conversations with them just about <clears throat> how to go about with contracts and things of that nature, and they gave me a lot of information. So I took all that, and when I got over, like I said, when I got over to Atlanta, I just put everything together. Took my time, put everything together. This was up. So basically, before y'all started a business, I mean, y'all were learning, getting the experience, you know, Correct. whether, you know, it was uh, working uh, through, um, I, I guess you could say she's a mentor of yours now. Correct, you most still definitely. still reach out to her, and then, you know, you have a lot of experience, you know, working for a GC. Um, did you work for a subcontractor? No. No, just so GC? I, I, uh, so what I did is, is after I graduated Georgia Tech, I went to work for Turner Construction. So I was an engineer and uh, I was an estimator and engineer for them. So my dad, since my dad had me working for him for free since I was a kid, right? Obviously, I mean, he paid me pennies, right? So it was like a paid, in, paid internship, not a little place like pay me in food and, 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 uh, right. and soda. <laughs> but the point is, is what he did was my dad recognized that he'd rather me learn how to do the things in the office versus in the field after a certain time. So even though I started as a laborer and I still had to do the labor stuff, he he gave me like a an AutoCAD disc and he was like, yo, learn this. <laughs> I was like, what? He said, learn it. <laughs> I said, okay, fine. And then he gave me, he told me like, you need to learn how to do estimates and spreadsheets and takeoffs. So I was doing those in high school. So I would, you know, get set of drawings and then I had to, then with, with the AutoCAD piece, I had to create shop drawings. And then, you know, we were doing, uh, there's a company he had uh, that did uh, structurally insulated panels. So it was like a SIPS panel type of modular building type deal. So I had to do the AutoCAD, like he, you had to do it. So I just learned how to do it just by being, by force, you know, <laughs> by force or, or, or whatever. So that, that was, that's kind of how I got into that mix early. So, yeah, I mean, so the thing is like, let's say, you know, you're listening, you know, you're trying to start a business in, in construction, right? You know, it seems like it pays for you to, to work in that, uh, work for a business that you're trying to, um, own one day, whether it's flooring, you know, you work for a subcontractor, right? Or better yet, you could even work for a GC because, you know, general contractors, we manage all scopes of work and you get, you know, experience with different things. One thing that I used to do, like when I uh, was in more of the operations um, uh, role here is that when I was on the project, if there's certain things I wanted to, to, to know more, go see the foreman, go see the superintendent whether it's flooring or drywall, you know, and spend time with them, ask those questions. So either way, there's there's definitely a lot of ways that you could learn, right? Whether it's, you know, YouTube or actually getting that hands-on experience by working for a company in the in the business that you're trying to um, one day own. Um, so I want to talk about, uh, go back to the fact that, you know, we all have different experiences, how we came into construction, right? And uh, I was reading some stats about, you know, demographics and construction, right? And um, so the stats are for, like, black um, people um, that make up the construction industry as far as workers, I think we make up maybe, um, I want to say about 10%, right, um, as far as, like, uh, ownership with, with firm, like, businesses. And then as far as the equity portion, like, um, obviously, construction industry makes billions and billions of dollars, right? So we only contribute to about, I believe, uh, 1% of that. So, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, there's a big disparity. Is it one? I thought it was less than that. Yeah. I th well, maybe they're rounding up to 1%, <laughs> yeah, but it was like 1%. Right. Okay. You know, um, so obviously, you know, and Sierra can share this because I think we we're talking about it, how, 
you know, when we were in um, our program, we didn't see too many black people in the construction management program, right? Um, so obviously, there's not too many of us in the construction um, industry, but there's a lot of opportunities, you know, and there, I mean, there's just a vast amount of opportunities, you know. Um, so my, my question is, what do you all think is our responsibility to bringing up the next generation of construction workers as far as, you know, um, black individuals? Because, you know, if you look at history, right, um, I mean, black people invented, created a lot of different things, you know, that today has impacted, you know, who this country is today, right? Um, so how do we continue that legacy, right? How do we recruit? How do we get the awareness out to, to more black people to get first get into the industry, right? And then become owners, become owners of different businesses in the industry so that we could have a, a more of a contribution in that uh, revenue. Okay. Um, I would say at first, um, if you're talking about reaching out to them as far as getting them into the industry, you have to do that in, I would say, like in high school to get them interested in the, in the industry. Um, mm -hmm. After that point, it's really uh, them actually wanting to actually get into the industry themselves. And as they say, each one teach one. So from that point, just just show them the way that you think this possible for them to get into the industry. Just like for me, I would tell them exactly what to do. I would share my contacts with them. I would set up meetings with, with them and my contacts and help them get into the industry. But first I gotta know, I gotta first validate them to make sure they, they're, this is what they really want to do. Kind of like a, a situation where you uh, introduced me to this one guy, I had a meeting with him and I was asking him questions about what he wanted to do and then I gave him some tasks, things he to do before he come back to me. See, that's gonna tell me if he really wanted to get into this industry or not. Yeah. I haven't heard from him since. Yeah. So exactly. And that's what I'm saying. You know, you gotta people just think that uh, it's just easy to get into the industry and they don't really do their research on how to get in in the best way. So um but how about you, Channing? Um, yeah, I mean I I would definitely say that, you know, I guess it depends upon what area or what lane you wanna get in because when I look at my background, it's kinda it's kinda all over the place as it relates to construction. Um, I think that it's smart for those who want to get into construction, depending upon how, where they are in their career, I would go innovation and technology first, right? I would get really good systems. I mean, we recognized obviously a long time ago that construction is like one of the oldest industries in the world and one of the ones that's the most difficult to change, especially in America, right? Because I mean, I've done some things internationally, but the stuff that goes to building construction in America over the past hundred years, we haven't been a we haven't been trailblazers. We just haven't. You know what I'm saying? So the standard of building is like in you know in France or in China and mod for modular building or like or maybe in uh, Italy and um they've they 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 really excuse me I'm in Germany. So there's that mindset is difficult to change, and that probably is going to be the biggest hurdle. So I think that the the the, the students now are more into innovation and what's next, automation, right? Like with my son, he doesn't want to learn about construction, but he'll understand Roblox. Roblox, right? Ro mm -hmm. Is it Ro Roblox? Roblox? Roblox. Roblox. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So he, but he understands, you know, different, uh, he understands that that's a system. When I was uh, working at, uh, I think it was, yeah, I think it was maybe a couple years ago, I was helping one of the companies I was uh, working for 
put together systems to help streamline um, operations and also manage profitability, right? When Procore first started, right, I was like one of the guinea pigs on, okay, well, figure out how to use this and then figure out how to make it better. So to me, I think that in the, the future of, of uh, construction has more to do with the systems that are in place and then whatever technology we're getting into, how to use those technologies to then make those systems more efficient. Because construction companies want to make more money, insurance companies are charging more, and subcontractors, again, are going to start getting squeezed because their pr jobs may be getting taken away at some point in the future because of all of the different, you know, technologies that are coming out and stuff like that. So I, I, will, I will go to technology route and, and, and just mentorships for sure. Um, so, oh, good. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to cut you off. Um, but I, I like your point, Taggett, about starting in high school. And I would, I would even say starting in middle school because, like I said, I didn't know growing up construction management was an option. You know, I just knew architecture. And, I'm you know, that's like a big thing, right? Um, so, you know, really growing up, I didn't really hear about construction management. A lot of people don't know about that, especially black people, unless you have somebody in your family that's doing it right. Um, so I believe like getting involved and, you know, going back to middle schools, high schools, um, just doing presentations, just showing that, hey, we are in this industry, you know, it's an interesting industry. There's so many things you can do in construction right you can work for a gc you can work for a trade you know you can work in bdc like we have a bdc department so it's just so many opportunities so i believe like starting while they're young and getting them interested um is the way to go i would say middle school to that point is probably the best point um and we actually brought that up at a meeting over there at tech because you know tech wants to recruit high schoolers well, here's the thing. If you're in high school and you're recruiting from tech, it's already too late. Like, if you're looking for diversity, it's too late to, to, to try to, because to, for them to even look at you, you've already got to be in a certain class. So, it, and which means that you'd have to be amazing in high school, which means that, you know, you probably got groomed since middle school. So, to your point, middle school is definitely, I agree with you. I remember seeing a presentation when I was in middle school um, that definitely helped me understand things because that's when your brain starts to really start to think about the future a little bit to your point so yeah i agree with that so i mean i would even argue elementary and here's why because one thing that Gino has been doing uh recently we've been going out to elementary schools and actually doing activities with them like um we've done concrete activities and i'm telling you you, you get blown away by the questions that they ask right and I even, uh, shout out to Construction Ready, uh, they have a really good K-12 program. And about three weeks ago, uh, we went to an elementary school uh, in, I think, Marietta. And these kids, I mean, they were using tools that I, I haven't even touched yet. You know, they were going at it, you know, making things. And I think we really have to uh, grab them early, right? Because to your point, construction, I mean, construction is not the most attractive industry, right? So you have other industries that are more attractive, like technology, right, IT, um, that are already influencing them, you know. And so we we're, we're, we got to really get, you know, very engaged, you know, at an early age. So I think, you know, this starts from elementary school. And then when, um, you know, I was part of the 100 Black Men, and we used to have a phrase called uh, what they see is what they be, right? Uh, what they see is what they will be. And growing up, I mean, yeah, I never really saw black people in construction, so I didn't really even know that, you know, 
that's something that we could get into. You know what I'm saying? So, but you know, the responsibility, at least for me, is that okay. I make sure that I go and represent the construction ready as a black individual, right? So I'm taking advantage of the career days, you know, that are elementary school or you know middle school, high school. Um, I'm I'm definitely motivating a lot of our project teams to do outreach events, you know, at a local elementary and middle school, and uh, definitely want a diverse team, right? Whether it's black, white, you know, whatever race, you know, men, women, you want as diverse as possible, right? So that everyone knows that, okay, I have a possibility in this industry. I have a chance in this industry, right? Um, listen, so, the more diverse you are, the easier it is to handle problems because you're never going to get the same problem twice. You're always going to get something different. And if you can't communicate with everybody, you won't have a problem. Oh, yeah. So that I love that point. Oh, yeah. Diversity is key. And, again, everyone thinks different, you know? So when you have a very diverse team, you get different ways of thoughts uh, that help you know, solve solutions. So, um, definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, any other thoughts on, you know, I mean, so do y'all think that we have a responsibility to, to, to definitely recruit or inspire, influence? Because, um, again, I mean, I'm passionate about this industry, honestly, you know, and, and I, I want more people that look like us to be a part of this industry because, there's a lot of opportunities. And, and and so you were making a point about the technology aspect, but at the end of the day, when it comes to the actual skills, that's where we're lacking in, right, in the industry, right? And I, again, I don't foresee in any time, because like you said, technology in the construction, we're slow to change. So it seems like we're always going to need, at least for the near future, need people to actually do the work. And so that's where the issue is, is not getting it's not filling that gap of skills trade is that people want to go to more technology. They want to be able to work from home, you know, you know? Uh, so I, I think that's where we need to, you know, influence others. So why we don't have that anymore. I remember, like I said, back in the days when I grew up, you, you saw us on the construction site, but mostly we were the brick layers, of the concrete. Uh, but you don't see that at all no more. Like, like I said, most of the time I hardly see any blacks on a construction site that I'd be on. You know what? I, so I've, I've I've been to a couple. Um, I I did a a roofing um, uh, installation training okay. in Arizona, right? Okay. And um, you know the area in Arizona that I was at, it was a kind of. And mind you, roofers are like. Um, I would compare the culture of roofing to rebar guys, okay. right? So I mean, it's it's very like hard nosed type of individuals. And, you know, work release programs is, is one of the things that I, I tend to lean towards to work with because, you know, you want to help people in general, but especially people that get out of prison because there's so, – I mean, you think we got it rough. Imagine having a record. I mean, it's like you could forget about it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, but as far as the next generation, I mean, because those are two things that I, I look at when I think about the next generation of construction, right? You got the people who are growing up on their first tier. Then you got the people who maybe made a mistake and they're looking to get reintroduced to some type of work in the to the workforce. So that would be th those two lanes. But I'm saying introduce them to both. Right. Try to get good at something which you know how to do something. Right. Because I mean, you can't really tell somebody how to manage something that they never done it. I mean, you try or try to figure out a system to use if they've never actually done it. So to, to that point, I think it probably is smarter, to your point, to actually 
get the younger generation, even in elementary school, used to using their hands to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's easier probably to figure out they like it or not. Yeah. And then right. to your point, they get good at it and they're like, oh, I do want to do this. Right. right. And then at the end of the day, while also leaning into technology, just to making sure that, you know, you're uh, the next intern that you guys hire here. I mean, he'll run circles around you on technology yeah I'm, guarantee it yeah you can be of as course. good as you want to no circles <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah and then actually why are you doing it that way when you can do it this way yeah. you're like well you know whatever <laughs> so those are that's what i would kind of like point to your point you guys bring up a great point i like you as you you're right you know like me being on the constructions like i don't see a lot of blacks and i'm like that's that's kind of strange but also think about like you know back in the day like sometimes their only option was to work in the trades, right? And to actually do the labor. Like I told you guys about my grandfather, that was his only option was to be a brick mason to actually do the labor. So now I feel like this newer generation, we have access to a lot more opportunities when it comes to education. And of course you bypass that step of actually having to get out there and do the hard manual labor. You Mm. just jump into more of the management role. so yeah, I I, did, I didn't realize side, that, though. but that you know that right. thinking about it, I think that's why you don't really see that anymore um, as often. Um, but but I do think side, I don't see it even on the management side. I don't see it. That is true. I was gonna say like you know coming up um, at Kennesaw, like in my classes, I didn't see anybody that looked like me, um, and I know when you guys went to school, it was probably less people who look like you um and you know you talk about the stats of blacks in this industry i'm like it's even less for black women in this industry um so that's why i i really like to kind of be a mentor to younger girls that are coming up in this industry and just giving them give them advice and you know opportunities and just open their eyes to things that they won't really necessarily learn or get told in school because nobody's going to tell you these things, right? Because, right. yeah. So oh, that's the key. Yeah. Because if you got an example early, mm-hmm. then the chances that you follow that. Because you think about it, our heroes, right? If you look at construction, if you just look at construction, just our industry, who do we really have to look forward to is, oh, man, I want to be like him. That's one company. And, that's, and this is supposed to be the black mecca of the United States of America. You have so many friends that went to school with me in Morehouse, or when I go to New York or other other states, like, oh my God, you live in Atlanta. All the black people are rich. It's the black Wakanda. Everybody just gold streets. It's just black people. Every black, black millionaires. Hollywood, black, black Hollywood. Like, yeah. And I'm just like, really? Is that yeah. what you think it is? That's like, what yeah, they think. It ain't, it ain't like Milwaukee. That's oh, what they okay. think. But but again, if you compare it to Chicago, Milwaukee, Cleveland. Uh, you know, Albuquerque, you know, there's other black communities, all these other places. Atlanta is special. But to that point, we don't have, we got more young people who are interested in things that they see on television, right? So that, what YouTuber is like a construction YouTuber that's super popular? I don't know any. Yeah. You'd be the first podcaster that that blows up out of construction that's black, right? Yeah. Because I don't know any. Yeah. So, you know, that that's that's a lane that needs to be filled. But guess what? It's got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that that's huge, man, and um, and I think another responsibility or someone that should share share the responsibility is these organizations that we're part of too, like you know, Name Act, Nate Wick. I know Nate Wick, um, like probably two weeks ago, 
you yeah. all did the so two belt. weeks ago we did black kids like kids. kind of similar to you with construction ready yeah uh we had um it was about 180 elementary schoolers uh come in and basically we had a competition it's called black kids so they get a set of legos and there's some other materials in the bag and they just really use their creative minds to build whatever they want right so you'd be surprised the things these kids built like um one of my kids he built like a cruise ship um but like it had the exterior so the exterior he used like a foil as his kind of shell and the structure of it and then the inside he used the legos to be like the kind of um I guess you can say different decks for the cruise ship but it was like crazy I'm like I never would have thought to build that when I was in <laughs> elementary school so it's like you give these kids these tools it's it's crazy what their minds can like come up with yeah yeah uh, for sure and um I mean you know NAMAC and you know other minority um you know uh organizations um I think they may f really focus on like just growing and scaling up minority uh, and black businesses, right? But I don't know if they're thinking about a future as well too. Um, because I mean, again, uh, you know, NAMAC does a lot of great events. Um, and, you know, Juno, uh, we've been members of NAMAC for I think this is the second year now, uh, really engage and we're, we're liking what we're seeing. Um, but as far as like just you know, a future, I mean, yeah, you're trying to scale up, but who, who are you like hiring, right? So you gotta start planting those seeds so that, you know, you could scale your business up, right? Um, because, you know, you wanna have a diverse team, right? And obviously, you know, we're at a disadvantage, so you want to, um, you know, help the disadvantaged, you know, folks and, and then have a diverse team as well too. But it starts from what are you doing to invest in your next generation, if you really want to build your company up, right, you want to know how you're going to build your company up in the, in the future. I think it's, for me, it's hard for my company to actually, <clears throat> to bring in our people because our people don't want to work in my industry. Yeah, yeah. that's. <laughs> you know, on like, a management like level, said. something like that, yes, but as far as on the actual ground level operations, day-to-day -day operations, Nah. See, but and and I yes, obviously that's that's what we see, right? But again, in the mentality of okay, well, if I work, I could I could one day own a business, right? And if I understand it, right? But I got to be willing to sacrifice, and whether it's pride, I don't I don't know what it is, but you know, sacrifice some time to to put into understanding how that business works, right? And then I could have my own. But I, I just, I think that the there's a mindset that, okay, I see where I want to be. How do I get to that point immediately? I mean, it, it takes a lot of work. You know, we look at other people. I mean, that's why I, I strongly hate social media because, like, you just see people and then you're like, oh, I want to be like him. And then thinking that him or her did it, like, overnight. But, you know, they worked their way up, you know, yeah. and they, they did a lot of things before they got to where they were. So sometimes you got to sacrifice your pride, you know, learn how to do things, and then, hey, then you'll become, you know, successful as far as, you know, ownership-wise. But, I mean, I get that, too, and you're right. Like, the younger generation, I would say even my generation, I'm like a Gen X, you know? Like, we want that instant, like, gratification, like that instant success, right? We don't think about 
the steps that come with it because like you know i'm thinking i was born you know i i didn't really have to work for for anything you know what i'm saying like it wasn't like my dad's generation where it's like he had to work hard my grand granddad's generation my grandma's generation like you know what i'm saying it's just different like society is just changing you think like kids that are born nowadays like technology is just so advanced like kids are three four with a ipad so it's like you know what i'm saying it's just it's not the same anymore or it just even you think about playing outside or like you said using your hands for stuff like they're rather just pick up an ipad or a phone you know what i'm saying yeah. rather than go outside and actually play or build something with their hands it's like i can build something on roblox or you know so it's i i think that's that's one of the biggest issues too you know Technology is a blessing, but also a curse. <laughs> but it's the work less and make more mindset, which yeah, I mean, who who doesn't want to work less and who does who doesn't want to make more? But that's true. I mean, is that ideal? And um, and I just think that people run away from from hard work. All right, kind of piggyback what you were saying for us. Uh, like for me, even though I was a project manager over her uh, final cleaning, I actually went out there and worked with the crew. I want to know every aspect of the cleaning process, the rough, the final, and the puff. So, and also what products actually clean better. So, what gets the stains out, what gets the rust out. So, I actually went out there and worked with them. I still go out there with my crew sometimes and work with them. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know, how are you going to manage, you know, manage, you know, if you don't know exactly how to do your business? Um, and so we're, we're going to wrap up here, but before we do, um, there's probably like two more questions that I'd like to ask. So one is, what do you think companies such as Juno can do to, to, to better make the industry more diverse in terms of equity? As far as equity? Yeah, as far as, you know, um, equity as, as it relates to black, black businesses. I mean, you know, I think that any company that has goals is and and actually if you don't it's like this if someone has to force you to have a goal then you're less likely in my opinion to really embrace the reason mm -hmm. behind it yeah. right if you have this goal no matter what you know it's just like being in school and winning a race like if your dad wants you to win the race versus you wanting you yourself you want to win it i know what that's like to have parents wanting you to have goals but then you got the goal yourself, and then it's different then. Because if it's your goal, then you take ownership over it, and it, you're probably going to hit it. But if somebody wants you to do something like, no, I, I want my baby to be you know, a lawyer and doctor. <laughs> I know a couple of my friends, they, they're from um, Nigeria, and a couple of other buddies yeah, like, yeah, man, Nigeria. you got to be a doctor, a lawyer. Right. You know? It's like, you ain't this, you nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that's, that's a hard life to be in that situation, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But it's like, hey, man, that's, that's what it was, and, and they wasn't playing about it. Yeah. <laughs> so Correct. you had to make a decision. Yeah. But that was their goals, and a lot of them end up doing something else because guess what? It wasn't their goal. So if a construction company has goals, okay, well, if they're your goals, then let's make them your goals and don't really care about who's asking you to make a goal. That'd be the first thing. The second thing I would say is if you're really interested in, in the E part, the equity part, is you got to have pay, a lot of patience and you got to create the opportunity for long-term strategic relationships and partnerships. That means that if we're talking about details, that means sitting down with black contractors on a quarterly basis, one-on-one, -on -one, and go through their finances. Let's talk about budgeting. Let's talk about your, your backlog. you know, And let's talk about, hey, man, well, look, here's a consultant 
that is going to be pro bono. They're going to come in. They're going to help you work out some things that we kind of see you guys could kind of need some help here, right? Because as a business owner, everybody has different needs, right? Mine may be sales. Maybe I can't talk. You know, I, I just know how to do the work. Well, I might need some sales coaching or whatever, you know? I mean, if you're interested in the business growing, you got to be interested in the person understanding how to get out of the business themselves. Because I don't have a business if I'm actually doing the work. Neither do you. None of us do. Yeah. Mm. Because if we got to do the work. All right. We are the business. Then we are the business. Then we, <laughs> if we're the business and something happens to us, so does the business. The business goes too. Yeah. And you don't want to have a situation where it's like less than Nancy or I guess, you know, I'm not sure if they're at the, you know, what the structure is here, but if they just go do something else that the company just go, you want to have something like, nah, man, we got an engine and it doesn't matter who's running the show at the top with the culture takes over. So I think, I think that those, the nuggets that, that, that they have, and they've, they've shared a lot of these things that you guys already know, the things that they're doing already, you know? So I would just, I would just say along those lines. Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, um, I like what you said, long term, right? Because, you know, when you do have those client driven goal projects, it's like uh, just, I appreciate you for helping us in this project. All right. Right. Wham, bam, later. thank you, ma'am. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, so it is important to have the internal goals. And, um, you know, and, and that's why one thing I love about Juno is that, you know, we're being very intentional about, you know, trying to have these internal goals because most of our work is private, right? So we don't Correct. have, we don't do a lot of, uh, government projects where Correct. there is a uh, you know a certain amount of uh, percentage as as it relates to minority disadvantaged businesses. So and then to even add on like long term right. So we're we're wanting to grow the company as as we grow right. So what does that mean? Is okay. Well, not only providing opportunities but providing more education right. Um, because again, how you're successful is you know how you run your business as well too right. So we could give you opportunities all day long, but. If you don't know how to run your business, you're not going to be successful. So, um, so one thing that we're rolling out this year is uh, educational series um, called Cultivate, right? Because we're we're trying to cultivate, you know, companies to grow. Um, so we're going to be having an educational series talking about different things in, uh, you know, particular markets. This year we're going to fo focus on um, multifamily and, and student housing because that's pretty much our bread and butter now, you know, and it's you know a little bit different than other markets, right? So. Um, I'm excited to to start it off this year, and um, like you said, you know, we really want to grow long-term relationships. How do we improve? Because again, if you're on a project, you're successful. We're successful, right? Well, listen, one last point when it comes yep. to that, we're talking about real things that a company can do. Yeah. So you find out the companies that specialize in whatever type, right? And even if they don't, if if it if if it makes sense, you bring them in early, and you bring you don't bring them in the early with the discussion of hey, it's yours, because then you're going to create friction like that, right? You bring them in early to say, hey, here's a real opportunity. Let's set up these these uh, bi-monthly meetings because this is the design build. It's going to be a year process of you looking at these plans, but can is your company at the position where they can add value because of your relationships with the manufacturers, right? Can you if you If you brought in us and you say, hey, man, we got this, you know, massive units, ma massive project units that we got going on in Athens for uh, uh, UGA. It's um, This is the uh, design, the schematic, or maybe, yeah, the, the schematic design. It's, it's not even DDs. What roofing system would you specialize in why? 
What have you do? You know, what would you, you know, tell, help me understand why it makes sense. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kick it to the architect. We'll kick it around the bucket. If that's the, if that's, if you guys have already got the agreement in place. If there's value that can be added there, it's like, okay, well, that's, that, that's intentionality. That means we're talking early, early. And then what you do is you set up these meetings and maybe every two to three months where it's like, okay, well, how can we work on getting the best price, Shannon? Well, um, here's some other here's some other ideas. Well, will they do this? Will they do that? A lot of the times what happens is we get the phone call after the fact. And it's like, well, this is what we got. Well, that's what's in the specs. All right, well, what about these other options? Well, the specs don't line up with the drawings. This note doesn't line up with the drawings. You guys have done been done this long enough so that you know there's always going to be that challenge with architects. So, again, if you bring in guys early and actually have that, okay, this is an investment, we may not, I mean, it may go two years, but... The idea is once we get to the end of the road, you'll be there so that we can do another one together because that helps us grow and then it helps us grow trust in each other. Yeah. No, that's a good Instead point. Instead of doing like a class because yeah, the class yeah. is great. Yeah. I love these classes. Yeah. I love spending, you know, but y'all's contracts, Gio Bain's contracts, J.E. Dunn's contracts, H.J. Russell's contracts, all the contracts are set up for us to fail. They're not set up for us to win if there's a dispute, if there's a problem. So... You know, contract and, and, and knowing the risk and the insurance, that's, man, listen, we need it. That's good information. Yeah. But running a business and being successful has a lot to do with, again, if that project comes up, well, let me bring your superintendent down here. Let's talk to him. Let's get his ideas. How would he approach this problem? Those are the type of investment hour, an hour or two at a time over a year, maybe 20 hours that can add major value to a subcontractor and potentially grow the relationship to we, where we can do business together. No, man, uh, that's a good point. And um, it's funny that you said that because sometimes I do get, like, feedback on uh, some, um, you know, minority, specifically more smaller companies on, okay, well, you know, whether we, we bring them on DD round or bring them GDP, because, again, I mean, when you're saying rounds, you're talking about time that you have to, you know, invest, right? So sometimes we have to say, okay, well, maybe it doesn't make sense to to, to go out to a lot of subs for this one, um, especially the small businesses, because we know that, you know, they have some other things that they got to do as far as the project. They only could do so much, right? Um, but obviously, if it makes sense to bring, you know, subs very early on and, you know, like we're being more intentional about, you know, talking through things, you know, the VE items, like, you know, I, I think there's opp definitely opportunities in that. So another thing real quick before you go is that a lot of the times as a black contractor and I'm just us doing this. We got we could talk about this for years, but you're going to have different teams working with the actual project until it's complete. And it's been a lot of times, even in working as a GC, when the owners will be like, oh, man, yeah, you know, this guy X, Y and Z. But as soon as they throw the football to their operations, to the pre-con, pre-con like, yeah, all right, they're OK. And they throw it to buyout. Buyout's like, who? <laughs> I'm using my buddy. You know what I'm saying? And then we get to the, before you get to the project manager, the project man, I'm using my buddy. You know, I've done eight projects with my buddy already. And guess what? All of them went perfect. Why would I try out, you know, Jamiroquai construction? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. why would I take that risk? And then it's like, guess what? Who signs the contracts? I do. Guess who gets it? I do. And then before you know it, project goes like, hey, man, whatever happened to Jamiroquai construction? Oh, man, I don't know, man. They, they, were, they were too high. <laughs> yeah. Everybody moves on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So th those are the kind of things that that also hold 
is back. And that's just that's just not any one construction company. Right. That's all of them because none of them are cradle to grave. Yeah. All of them, you got it. You're passing the football yeah. to different people. So yeah. having someone like you though, yeah. that's the key. Because when you got people like someone consistently throughout you, the process, you're you you're you would be the person that says, yo, hey, you know, you guys are getting ready to do this. Well, did you look at all did you scope everybody down really well? Yeah. So how'd the numbers shake out? Well, you know, it was really close. Well, how close was it? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know what questions yeah, to ask. Yeah, and then you yeah. say, oh, okay. Well, why didn't you give, what's the name of Shad? Well, Jamiroquai, you know, they, ah, you know, they just, it would take too long to respond to emails or right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> stuff like that. Right. I don't know. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Trust me. I understand. Sound familiar, doesn't yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I got a question yeah. for you, for Juno. What do Juno see that, um, that as the, far as us black subcontractors or even general contractors should uh, be working on to help them with Juno or with any GC? Um, what do y'all see us lacking in? I mean, I don't know if we could just categorize, you know, black business and say, oh, this is what, you know, because everyone is at a different level, right? Show up on um, time. You said what? <laughs> show up on time. Right? <laughs> Y'all always late. <laughs> we can joke in here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the first thing. I'm just kidding. But um <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I, I've been just doing this position for probably about a year and a half. So um one thing that I'm being more intentional about is to get more feedback, right? So as um minority trades and disadvantaged trades, you know, get those opportunities, checking in on them, you know, not only uh, with the team, but uh, with that business well too, because they're going to have, you know, their experiences, their perspective on what can be better. And then the team, our project team is going to have their, you know, takeaways and perspective on what that company can improve. And then hopefully, you know, like midpoint and the end of the project, you know, I'm, I'm sitting down going through, hey, this is the ways that you can improve. You know, this is what we see. Because um, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, the intentionality is to cultivate and, and grow and have a long-term business, right? right? Partnership, right? So we want to make sure that you all are doing things better. But I think the biggest thing just in general is quality. Like, you know, we're, we're big on safety, but we're also big on quality. Like, we feel like, yes, we have a management team there, but... Somebody in your company should be checking the work that your crew is doing, right? Um, and that's where, you know, a lot of our field team have issues, you know, because, yes, I mean, there's a mindset that, okay, so-and-so did this project, you know, before they were great. So why should I bring somebody else? Because I, I like the fact that they have good quality, you know. So, um, so I, I think that's a big thing, quality, making sure that you have somebody – or you are going through and actually doing what you say you're doing, not not just picking up the phone and say, hey, no, we did this, and then you find out that your crew didn't do it, and because you didn't put your eyes on it or you don't have somebody that is competent enough to tell you what is actually going on. So I think that's just in general okay. um, something that you know we, we try to focus on, and that's why we ask some questions in the scope meeting, like what is your staffing like? Because based off of that, those questions and those answers, we get a good feel whether you're – your project are staff right to where we may not have big issues when it comes to quality, you know? So, um, I think that's just one big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Anything else? 
Want to add something on? So as we wrap up, because this, you know, is about well, that time. I, I kind of want to ask the last question. Yeah, go ahead and ask the last question. Up, just in general, um, I just love hearing, you know, everybody's different perspectives. What's some advice that you would give, like, your younger self um, about, you know, knowing everything you know now about this industry or just younger people, younger black people in general that are just starting off in this industry or that have interests, right? I'm going to let you start on that one. Think on that one. <laughs> Got to think on that one. I would say take big risk early. <clears throat> I would just uh, fail big. You know, why not? If you're, if, you're, if you're in the 20s, go for it. You know, um, you don't have children. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't really have, uh, a, 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 you know, a bunch of houses. You know, if, you, if you're just starting out in life in general, just just go for it. Right. And and um, the, the information, what I would probably tell myself. Man, that it gets better. That it gets better. I like how you said take risks, fail big, but I personally don't believe in failures. I believe there's no such thing as failures. Right. I believe there's such things as, you know, you learning from that, you know, opportunity or whatever you took but i don't think it's a failure well, right if you learn you, though if you don't learn it's a failure. that's true but if you do most learn it, people yes. you know you should learn from that opportunity and that should make you grow as an individual so i don't look at anything as failures but i think that's, that's so even advice. though failure to your point <laughs> is kind of like a bad word yeah I, I i i'm from the mindset of embrace uncertainty embrace uncertainty embrace because in construction the first the next perfect project will be the first perfect project. And one of the challenges that we have as black general black uh, contractors is we're on a crazy microscope. Something happens on our project, everyone's going to hear about it. It's like, oh, you hear about those freaking Evolve guys? They screwed up. And that's like, oh, here goes another black company. I can't trust them again. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a black establishment and complained. And you're like, oh, is it black? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> here we go again. That's unfortunately the energy that we give each other. We're not really patient with each other. Um, we don't really pull people to the side like, yo, man, instead of this getting going out into the public, let's try to see if we can correct this here now. I've always taught to manage your house in the house. Don't manage your house outside of the house because now you got to deal with everybody's questions. You get things situated on the job site. First off, everyone knows you know how to manage your job site. But when things get out, it's like, wow. Having people that understand that if it is your first rodeo-ish is patience and walking through things and making sure that you're dealing with somebody that's going to do what they say they're going to do. Because I know you can deal with a contractor that does so-so work, but what you can't deal with is somebody that's not going to do at bare minimum what they say they're going to do. Like, if you tell me to paint a wall and not paint it, it's like, all right, he showed up on time and he painted a wall. It ain't the best painted wall, but at least he did that. Not the guy that's like, doesn't show up or that does it paint it's the wrong paints it the wrong color <laughs> you know what i'm saying so that would be that would be the that would be my direct advice for somebody is to try big things early <laughs> <laughs> do not be scared to fail right and recognize that the same kind of um patience that you are gonna be that that's gonna be required for a contractor to deal with you. You're gonna have to exhibit that same type of patience with new people that come under you. 
Okay, me, um, I would say to my younger self, uh, any young people that's getting into the industry, first thing is uh, on a personal level, make sure you have good credit score. There you go. Because finance Facts. is hard to come by when you're a minority contract. Amen. And your credit score is what's going to what's going differentiate that for you. Because, like I said, no no um, no lenders are going to lend you money with a bad credit score or a decent credit score. So at least six eighty seven hundred or better. Um, the next thing I would say is that um, n- never take no for an answer. And always know that. This one thing I keep with myself, that if 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 you don't actually win that bid on that job, they ain't the only uh they ain't the only contractor in the room. Period. There's more contractors out there. And even if that that particular contractor doesn't actually uh, award you the contract on that contract, then there's other contracts that they're gonna have coming up. You still bid on them. So, you know, that's that's gonna be something that you're gonna win, some you're gonna lose. But as long as you keep on bidding on the projects, you're gonna win some. Persistency. Yeah, persistency. Great, great Most definitely. Yeah. Major. Yeah. Great advice. The credit score, that's, that's a real thing. Most definitely. That's oh, yeah. a good one. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even think about thing. that, but I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Gotta gotta have some capital, you know, to when you're starting out of business, right? So that's that's definitely important. Um, but again, fellas, I, I appreciate you all for again accepting the invite uh to discuss. Um on our session, uh, Building Legacy, uh, Black Excellence in Construction. Thank you for uh, for the audience for listening or uh, watching this podcast. And uh, again, until next time. Peace. 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 That's a wrap. <laughs>